Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast series that we're doing uh, before KubeCon. We're here this week uh, with a bunch of different people from a lot of different areas. Today's guest is the inimitable Pooja Abbasi. Did I say your last name right? Yes. Yes. Excellent. Perfect. Um, and my co-host, Cody Crutchington. Um, I am... Noah Abrahams, the open source advocate here at Stormforge, and gentlemen, if you would like to introduce yourselves more than I did already. You go first, Cody. Yep, Cody Crudgington, uh, leading the customer success and professional services here at Stormforge. And uh, Priya Basi, VP product at Gentle. Great. So uh, this week's topic, uh, we're talking about pain points. We're talking about uh, identifying them and how they lead into uh, how they lead into vendors, how they lead into solutions, how they lead into people, you know, building their own things, whatever it comes out to be. Uh, so let's start with the identification of a pain point when somebody comes to speak with Giant Swarm. What are the pain points that lead them to come talk to you in the first place? What's what drives them to you? It is different depending on the stage they're in. Right? If if they're just starting out with Kubernetes, the pain point might be like moving to Kubernetes, moving to the cloud. If they're already started, it might be wanting to scale in the cloud or for cloud native. Um, projects within their organization. And if they're really far, it might already be pain points around consolidation, being able to manage a lot of clusters centrally, these kind of pains. Yeah, so, so Giant Swarm is kind of both a vendor who gets picked and a trusted advisor um, who helps customers pick their solution. What's it like balancing the customer's needs in a world of partners and solutions? That is definitely kind of a balancing act, as, as you said. It is, though, that we try to really keep the trust as this, this trusted third party to not like misuse it. So we don't usually take any kickbacks, for example. So we, are, we try to stay independent of, of vendors and try to, to also let's say kind of vendor proof or, or lock-in proof um, the solution. So in case something happens with the vendor or in case something happens in, I mean, in this ecosystem stuff happens very fast. Uh, companies get bought, uh, projects get, get changed or, or get donated or uh, might not uh, live the next year. So we try to kind of avoid um, uh, too hard technical login into a solution um, and try uh, using these cloud native technologies actually and the abstractions that are already there in most cloud native uh, uh, projects out there um, try to use them to the advantage of uh, not not locking ourselves in on the other side as we are responsible for a lot of these things too sometimes we just need to be opinionated and think about ourselves, like if I'm responsible for the operating system, then most probably I want to choose the operating system and I don't want to listen too much to the customers. 
besides their their needs their pains on that that level but if i'm responsible for taking keep, keeping that up if i'm responsible for keeping up the network most probably i'm going to choose um the networking plugin for example uh, or the solution hopefully through cni for example being abstracted away so much from the customer that they don't need to migrate their network policies once i change maybe the the cni so are you maintaining a list of partners that you have or are you going back every single time you said you're not doing any sort of like kickback but are you still doing partnerships uh to enable those particular solutions yes we do in in some cases we do and uh, especially in those where we we usually just have a single partner for example on the os we work with kinfolk on flatcar uh, so there is like a, a, a direct relationship that is quite fixed there. Um, and on the other sides, uh, we try to keep good relationships with, with all the partners. That's sadly something that uh, without conferences happens less. Like usually on conferences, you run around, you meet all the, all the other vendors. So for me, conferences are usually the place where I meet all the potential partners and we talk and... Uh, might talk about hey that would be this like really cool case to work together so let's keep the relationship and see um if we can work together with the customer for example um on those solutions that are also quite customer specific we usually also don't try to to come with our partners but just um, make suggestions toward the customer the customer still should choose themselves um but Oftentimes we see being pulled into those vendor choices, like we were pulled into a very big security vendor choice uh, last year where it's like, hey, could you join these vendor talks? Let's um, get like a third opinion there. Um, Interesting. So uh, one of the things you just mentioned was um, about conferences, that in-person uh, interaction, being able to sit down and talk to people. Um, now your, uh, your, your, uh, your European based, but when you look at your customer base and you look at how these relate to the conferences that people are meeting up, because a physical conference is going to have some sort of geographical tie. Are you seeing any major differences between the conferences that people originate in or between the markets, like between EMEA, US, Asia, um, and how people are identifying pain points and how people are identifying their problems and how they communicate those problems, whether it's when they come to you or whether it's whether they're talking at the conferences. I'd say in, you, you have that definitely a bit between like US and EMEA where in the US, sometimes companies have a, a bigger tech opinion and might might come with more opinion to uh, and, and less of a pain, but more, I want Cilium. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but what do you want? Or I want a service mesh. What do you want it for? Right. Um, and uh, like, We've, we've seen that a few times more like in the US than here in, in EMEA, although this is uh, pretty much uh, very common that like, especially depending on the person you talk to, um, they've read about service meshes, that's awesome. And uh, they wanna have it, 
right? And uh, finding the pain point is, is really, really hard. Um, you also have a tendency to talk to, to people like that more on something like a KubeCon because people have a more technical background. They do sometimes like a solution already um, or have a solution in mind. So like pulling them back and saying, hey, what is the pain actually? Um, or like, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Uh, like, do you want a hole in the wall or do you want a drill? Um, and let's, let's look at what are the, the different ways to get that hole in the wall. And, um, so what is, that is, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I want to go good. a little bit into what does the time look like for that? If you're spending more time on that, uh, for you as a vendor, as a consultant, um, do you find that it's harder to identify the pain points with people who've already come around with a solution or do they tend to have more articulation around what they want? I'd say it depends. It's sometimes quite easy to get from a solution to the pain points. Um, as long as you, you stay uh, patient and ask questions and uh, try to actually find what, what we have found like really interesting is just going back to the use cases and saying, okay, what, what is it you want to achieve? What is it? What is the end result? Like what, what does your software actually need? Like, are you trying to, I don't know, globally roll out this e-commerce software and uh, what are the pain points in that software? Let's, let's drill back into those. Uh, but on the other side, also sometimes when people um, come with a pain point, the pain point might be too abstract. So that might sometimes even be harder to find the actual pain point. Uh, so sometimes it's easier to drill back from the solution to a pain than from a pain that is maybe just perceived and not really there or a pain that is too abstract um, and might be a business pain that, that is very abstract and on a, on a level where you're not really sure what the what the actual problem there there is and how to attack it without maybe changing even organizations uh, and the pain might be organizational and processes and in big companies that's really hard to change and then you need a real consultant i guess <laughs> <laughs> so being in the kind of has an MSP space, what's Giant Swarm's processes for identifying pain points and how do you go about solving those? So our process is usually very early on trying to, to really understand the use cases that are that they're trying, the, the projects that are trying to get cloud native and get to be deployed, for example, then on, on Kubernetes and building a real relationship kind of as like a, almost the, the external SRE team as, as like the, the external, like the, the trusted friend that you would ask, what should I use? Um, building this trust um, based on, on uh, experience, based on, um, on being um, uh, independent and uh, still, I think there is a balance to be struck between independence and having relationships with a lot of partners because it's important to know people, I feel, in this ecosystem or, or the, the companies in this ecosystem. Because once you're using a project, you might find bugs, 
right? Or you might find issues or you might find, and solving them together with the, with the vendor, that's much nicer than um, just creating tickets. Um, just sitting down with vendors, and this is kind of a, a unique position we, we're in because we're operating the things usually for the customer, is that we can actually sit down with the vendor and look at it together. Maybe we might even be able to give them access or a test cluster to, to run together. And um, the direct logs, there's no like, not, not a lot of steps in the feedback loop. The feedback loops are tighter. And if you know the maintainers, that's even better. If like if it's a, an open source vendor, for example, and you can maybe even contribute. Like maybe um, I think one of our colleagues contributed the the Helm chart for Loki when it came out because it was so excited about that project. It's like oh, finally, and it was I think on in KubeCon Seattle that it was announced, and he was on a in a hotel room with me, and he he was sitting there late at night still hacking on that Helm chart, just because he wanted to contribute it and he wanted to show it to his customers later. So you mentioned sitting down with the customers. Has that been something that uh, has been drastically affected by the face-to-face -face aspects of what's going on in the world today, like dealing with this pandemic and whatnot? Interestingly, it, it has been affected quite positively in the, especially in the second half of this pandemic uh, phase that we are in. And, and it's, it's actually interesting that people are finally realizing you can do these things remote. And uh, there is still some things missing, missing from like actual face-to-face, -face, being able to you know, have a dinner together in the evening between two two days of meetings, for example, and uh, those sometimes miss, but we've realized that like, it's, it's become actually quite easy to, to not travel anymore, um, even for, for bigger contracts and even for, for building this trust um, and doing more remote. It's also a learning because we used to maybe do a workshop for a full day. Full day workshops online don't work. That's, it's just, um, you have to split them up into like three days each, like maybe two or three hours, smaller, smaller cut workshops. Those, those work a lot nicer. And uh, these are some, some of the learnings. The other one that we did was um, we actually introduced like a, a monthly um, customer and potential customer evening where we sit down maybe with some drinks and talk about the topic and, uh, just to get to know each other more and uh, talk about the problems that we are facing. And sometimes it's not even us that can solve them, the problems because, or that can understand the problems that well, but it might be a different customer, but, or it might be someone that we know that is not a customer, like maybe a, a Zalando who has done this themselves and they can help um, some of the customers to, to, to understand the, the issue that they're currently facing. So I would expect that if you're taking a like a day long workshop and you're breaking it up over multiple days, that now you have the opportunity for the team members within the customer to go back and talk about, oh, we didn't even really think about this particular point in this particular way. Now we can put words to the problem that we identified. Is that helping the outcome 
of the workshops that you're running to have them be able to get back together and 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 have their their internal conversations yeah indeed that's 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 a very good point actually and uh it, it came by by accident it wasn't like planned like this uh, especially as we we kind of split those three days into different weeks so it was like maybe we did one the first one this week and then the next one in two weeks so there was like even maybe a week or two in between so they might have even tried out some things and it's like oh i tried out this uh ingress controller and i tried out some security settings i i'd have some questions again and we can talk about them again so it's it is quite interesting and you can also pull in different people maybe based on the topic because if you if you're splitting it up into maybe different topics you could even pull in different people from the from different places in the company because maybe someone from the security division won't be able to dedicate a full day to it but if you say hey these two hours we're going to talk about security um, and we'll we'll find a day where you can uh, also join that's uh, it's going to be more interesting so usually especially in these bigger organizations you want more people to be to be in these conversations early on so no one hits a roadblock uh, up ahead and says like hey but our network is behind a vpn <laughs> awesome Awesome. Uh, well, uh, I think I'm out of questions for, for now. Uh, Cody, do you have anything else that you'd like to talk about with regards to pain points while we have our guest? No, I, I think we've pretty much covered it all. I think we can move on to the infamous rapid fire questions. Okay. Uh, I'll I'm going to let you run with it. I'm going to let you run all of them. Okay. First question. Yes or no? Pineapple on pizza? No. Okay. Favorite piece of technology? Any technology? So hard. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my iPhone. Mm -hmm. It's like a lifeline now, right? Uh, favorite open source project? Renee's. Uh, favorite hobby? Martial arts. Chinese oh. martial arts, to be clear. Uh, Very cool. Favorite place for vacation? Thailand. Okay. It's the end of our rapid fire. Those are fun. <laughs> I want to thank our guest today, Huya. Thank you for joining us. This has been a great session. Insight into, uh, I, I think you have a really great unique view as both a vendor and a consultant, um, which uh, it, it just brings some, some points of view that I don't think a lot of other vendors can bring to the table. So thank you for joining us today and stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks everyone.